Well, praise the Lord. Good morning and welcome to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. We are a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, beacon of light broadcast. We are a non-denominational ministry serving the Lord Jesus Christ, both through Gospel of Faith Church in Ash Fork, Arizona, as well from the Spiritual Awareness Broadcast Studios right here in Fort Mojave, Arizona, where we produce the Worldwide Prayer Ministry Broadcast. Hello, I'm Pastor Davenport, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Today, I probably won't be preaching, but I thought I'd, I would do a little teaching today, and I'm glad that you tuned in. You know, God will direct our lives, and He will lead us. And this usually applies in both our, our major and our, and our minor life decisions that we have. God will guide you. God tells us that we can come to Him with, with every choice that is ours and, and let our requests be made known to Him. That's in Philips, uh, Philippians excuse me, 4, uh, 6 and 7. And God knows what is, is best for us. We cannot always rely on our own understanding, you know. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will gently lead us, direct us, if we will feel our, uh, a, a coalition of uh, or undue pressure in some areas, then it's always wise to wait upon the Lord. He will prepare a way and open the doors for us. Of course, we can be hindered by the devil in doing God's will, and, and we need to recognize that and, and take authority and dominion over the forces of the enemy. Always wait upon the Lord. And he will lead and work things out as we trust him. In Proverbs 3, chapter 5, or verse 5 and 6. So I wanted to talk to you and maybe teach a little today. How about if we open in prayer first? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today on this wondrous day, Lord God. And we ask if, if maybe, Lord, today, rather than preaching a sermon you would give us this time to teach a little bit, to understand. Send the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that he would guide us and direct us, Lord, as we go forth today. Forgive the computer. Today, Lord God, I would like to teach our listeners in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 and 7, and then in 13 and 14, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and again in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14. Lord, as, as we learn today that you, you are ready to, to fill the temple. Be with us, Lord, as we learn today of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I'm going to change up the music a little bit this morning. And, and I'm going to do a little teaching rather than preaching this morning. And, the, and I think we're going to call this, God is ready to fill the temple. If you turn your Bibles with me today to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 1 through 7, and 13 and 14. And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Verse 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. 
Then Solomon, I'm in verse 13, and Solomon came from his journey to the high place that was at Gideon to Jerusalem from before the tabernacle of the congregation and reigned over Israel. Verse 14, and Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, which he placed in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. You know, the Holy Ghost is a funny term. I remember my son uh, would always say, the Holy Ghost? What do you mean by that? We get that term from the King James translation of the Bible. It sounds like something a child might dress as on Halloween, the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, King James Version, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But what is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the presence of Almighty God. It is something that we cannot see and therefore have a hard time describing exactly what it is. Sometimes in the Bible they use the Greek word pneuma when they talk about the ghost. The word means breath or wind. Like the wind, the Holy Ghost is something that moves through you but cannot be seen. You can see its effect, but the Holy Ghost itself is invisible. The Bible also uses the Hebrew word Shekinah, which means to settle or dwell. The same root word Shokan is used for a bird's nest. Shekinah. It refers to the Spirit of God that settles on a place. It's often translated as the glory or the presence, if you note that on our opening text, Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14, King James Version, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. The dwelling presence of God, Shekinah, had filled the house of God, Meshekan. God's presence occupies a special place among the people. Now, I may not be pronouncing some of these right. It's been a long time since I was in the Word of God uh, and spoke in that, in, in that heavenly language like that. But the presence at creation. Now, listen. The presence at creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, King James Verse, And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God. Say that with me. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, note this Spirit of God. The presence of Almighty God moved and caused creation to occur. At this time, the Spirit of God moved and caused creation to occur. Out of the very chaos of this, this void, out of the chaos of, of creation, God made a miracle happen, which was creation. He does not have a place to dwell. God did not have a temple in which he can place himself, so he begins to create one. In fact, I have a book where a professor of Hebrew analyzes the first three 
uh, of Genesis and explains the entire creation story in the terms of God creating a temple for himself. Much of what occurs in the book is around God removing chaos, uh, setting things in order. God arranges the wilderness that is in the world to make it fit for his holy presence. And that is why it is not surprising when he, we find God walking in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 and 8. God is walking in the garden because he had made a garden specifically to serve as a holy place where he could dwell. Hallelujah. But that was not good enough for God. Are you listening? That was not good enough for God. He had to have a presence in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is in the wilderness when he sees a burning bush. And although the Bible never says so, it is generally assumed by biblical theologians that the burning that Moses saw was a divine presence of Almighty God, the Shekinah, I'll repeat it, the Shekinah that had settled on this bush and spoke to Moses. Later that fire of God would be a pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the desert. In Exodus 13, verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to, to go by day and night. But later they came to Mount Sinai where God spoke to Moses. God's presence rested there upon that mountain. God's presence, his holy presence rested there upon that mountain. Exodus 19, verse 18, King James Version. The Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and smoke thereof ascended as a smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly, it says. But that was not good enough for God. Here on the mountain, God gave Moses plans for a better place to live. God wanted to be back among his people. He wanted a home. He wanted a dwelling place. So his holy presence would be in that tabernacle. So God, continuing, so God told Moses, I want you to make a tabernacle, Meshekinah, Meshekinah, in which God could dwell amongst his people. So I want to say it again. So God told Moses to make a tabernacle, a Meshekinah, a tabernacle, in which God could dwell with his people. And when Moses finished the tabernacle, God moves from being a pillar and a cloud to dwelling within the tabernacle, within the Meshekinah. Exodus 40, 34, 38, King James Version, verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, verse 35. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode, abode thereon. 
and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Give me a second. 36. 36. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. Verse 37. But if the cloud were not taken up when they journeyed, not till the day that it was taken up, Verse 38, for the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and the fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I want you to take note how God stays in the presence of his people. Just like he wanted to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden, he is trying to walk in the presence of his people again. He has Moses build a temple where his dwelling presence, his Shekinah, could be among the people. Note how the word Shekinah is once again translated as the glory of the Lord. His Shekinah fills the Meshekah. His glory dwells in the tabernacle and the tabernacle dwells among the people. But that is still not good enough for God. That's not good enough for God. He wants his presence in praise. He wants his presence in praise. This Shekinah is mentioned as the presence that influenced David to write the Psalms. When David played the Psalms, the presence of God would come down to the earth. The Shekinah was not only the presence of God, but it was also the place of peace. It was a place of peace. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15, King James Version of the Bible. But now, bring me a minstrel. It said, but now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So the presence of God is what brings peace to Saul. And when Saul was tormented, he called for David to bring the harp and play for him. And when David played praises to God, the dwelling presence of God would come down and be there in the room. And Saul would feel calm. And the evil spirits that had tormented him were forced out of the room. And just as God's holy presence filled the temple, so it is that his presence filled the room when David played. In the book of Psalms 22, verse 3, King James Version. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits this, the praises of Israel. It is no surprise that we bring our praises to God as the first thing every service. We open with song because God is in the songs. God is, is dwells in our praises, in our worship. If you want to speak to God, you need to bring him close to you. You need him to come to you. You bring God close by giving him praise. You sing a song of worship and praise. In this regard, the sound of our music had it right. Singing a song will make you feel better when you are down. 
When the devil is whispering in your ear about how you have failed God, yet again, singing a song will make you feel better. Where they got it wrong is, is you cannot simply sing about raindrops or on roses and whiskers and kittens. Those things never drive away the evil spirits that torment you. Instead, it is songs of praise and worship that do that. Songs about the wonderful things that God has done and is doing. When I think of, of the goodness of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for me, but that was still not good enough for God. His holy presence in us. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, King James Version. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, in agreement. That's what it means. In agreement, in one place, together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. What was the rushing mighty wind? It was God. It was the Holy Spirit of God, just like the Shekinah of God would fill the tabernacle so much that the priests could not perform their duties. So this presence of God filled the room where they were on the day of Pentecost, just like it filled the praises of David to drive out the spirits that tormented Saul. This was the overpowering presence of God. The presence that inhabited among the people came and filled the room. So what happens in church when somebody says, I'm being anointed of the Holy Spirit? It is that rushing mighty wind. It is the Shekinah of God. Just like the wind that moved on the face of the waters in Genesis chapter 1 to create, to create a dwelling place for God in the Garden of Eden. The wind moved in among the people, drove everything else out, and started its creation process. Acts chapter 2, verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. It does not say that it was a, a fire. It says it was like fire, a fire that rested upon the people but did not burn them just like the fire that rested upon the bush in the desert. But it did not burn it up. That fire was the presence of Almighty God that spoke to Moses. This fire was the presence of God resting on each and every person there. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What does that mean? They were filled with the presence of Almighty God, and they began to speak with other terms as the Spirit gave them utterance. God was not satisfied with filling a room where the people were. He was not satisfied with resting on the people. He wanted to make his home inside their hearts, inside their souls. He wanted to fill them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. That is why in verse 4 it says that the Holy Ghost filled them. The Shekinah, the Spirit of God that dwells among the people in the temple, made his home inside the people. Hallelujah. So, this Numa, this Shekinah, the present, the glory, the Holy Ghost, tried living in a garden of Eden, but that was not good enough for him. He tried living in a tent near the people, but that was not good enough. He tried living in, the, in their praise, but that was not good enough. So he put his presence inside the very hearts and souls of his people. And that, that, my friend, that, my partner's, 
my prayer partners, my prayer warriors, that is finally good enough for God. He wants to be inside your heart and inside your soul. Glory to God. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I could not find any references to the Holy Ghost living inside a human being before Jesus. I found that David was influenced by the Holy Spirit in Mark chapter 12, verse 36. And I see that the glory of the Lord shone, <coughs> excuse me, round about the angels when they announced the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. I even see that Mary conceived because of the Holy Ghost, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. But never do I see that the Holy Ghost was inside someone until the Bible says that it filled Jesus. You know, we often talk about Jesus being one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. But we do not talk much about one who opened our hearts to the abiding presence of God. Before Jesus, the Holy Ghost could not live inside someone's heart. It is only after Jesus that there is a way for the Holy Ghost and abiding presence of God to fill someone just like he used to fill the temple. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, our God is a jealous God. The first of the Ten Commandments is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's what it says. And when you carry God into the promised land, all the other gods need to go. When God filled the temple with his presence, the priests must go. It is not surprising that for God to fill us, everything else all the other baggage, all the other garbage must go. Sin must go. We must commit true repentance. We need to realize that we are sinning against God and turn from those ways towards Him. We must ask Him to forgive us for what we have done. We need to remove from ourselves all the things that put God behind anything else. We must make God first and foremost in our lives. We need to be cleansed. When we have promised God that we will live for him first, we need to be washed in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. And those waters will clean us and empty out all the things that take us up space in our souls. God is too be big to be crowded by the broken scraps that sin has left behind. We need to be clean enough for a perfectly clean God to dwell within us. Then we can fill, we can be filled, and the presence of Almighty God will fill the space that inhabits us. He wants to live within us, body, mind, spirit, and soul. He wants to be in our hearts and our soul. He does not want to be a visitor with whom you have a nice conversation every once in a while. He wants to consume you. And glory to God, what a feeling it is. To have no darkness left in you, but only the light of Jesus Christ shining through. To be there whenever anything happens to you. How do you know when you have been filled with the Holy Ghost? You may speak in another tongue when the Spirit gives you utterance. But you will know because the love abounds within you. And you will shine with the glory of God. Many people believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but have no idea of how to identify whether you have it or not. The Catholic Church, for example, believes in the 
filled with the Holy Ghost. They call it confirmation. And it is when the Holy Ghost enters the believer to give them strength to withstand the cross. So, becoming filled with the Holy Ghost is easy. You get baptized, they say, as a baby. Wait till you're 13, attend some classes, have a nice ceremony, and you're filled. You may speak in tongues as well, but they believe it is not necessary for the infilling. Many other denominations follow a similar line of thought. I've had some argue with me that any gifts of the Spirit you prove you in filling of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 10, For to one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith by some Spirit, another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of some. I've had people argue with me that the scripture means that anyone who shows any of these gifts is filled with the Holy Ghost. So where we use the phrase filled with the Holy Ghost, <coughs> with the evidence of speaking in tongues, they would consider it equally valid to say filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of working miracles. Sounds good, huh? The trouble is that you cannot find any evidence of that in the Bible. In fact, you can only find evidence where the evidence is in filling with the Holy Ghost was through speaking in tongues. I left the Pentecostal belief because I didn't believe that you had to speak in tongues just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received the Father and the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see here. Peter uses the speaking in tongues as evidence that the people were filled by the Holy Ghost. He tells the people they can see and hear the, that the evidence as well. There is no hidden evidence. There is no faith that you can see or hear. No discriminating of the Spirit that you can see and hear. The evidence is something you and everyone around you can see and hear. People can talk you out of many things, but they cannot talk you out of something you experience. The Sanhedrin had lots of reasons why Jesus could not heal a blind man. Those reasons had hard time when the man simply said, I was blind and now I see. Your experience stands up against any logic to the contrary. When the Holy Ghost causes you to speak in tongues, no one can ever tell you that it didn't happen. Who, when they came out, prayed for them and they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he has, was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They laid hand, their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw, through laying hands, the apostle hands on the Holy Ghost was given, and he offered them money. Notice the apostles knew that Sam Samaritans had not received the Holy Ghost. Notice also that the man Simon knew at exact moment that they did that they did receive it. Receiving the Holy Ghost was not a hidden thing. It was public. It was open. It was obvious. The apostle knew that the Holy Ghost looked like in Acts chapter 2, 10, 19. It always proven by speaking in the other tongues. That is why he knew that the Samaritans did not have it in chapter 8. The Lord is ready to fill the temple. The entire Bible is one thing and one thing only. It is a story of God's relationship with mankind. It begins in Genesis with God building for himself a tabernacle in the form of the Garden of Evil when he came 
Eden, excuse me, where he came communed with mankind. It proceeds to the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and promised land where God makes a tent where he can dwell. Then it goes on to David, Moses, and later Zerubbabel, where the tent becomes the temple. All of those were incomplete, a poor substitute. The Lord has made a way for his perfect tabernacle, his perfect dwelling place. He has made a way that he can come dwell in your heart. Your heart is the per perfect temple. The glory of God, the, the Shekinah, the presence of God that dwells, wants to make his dwelling place inside of you, in your heart and in your soul. Will you let him in? I ask you today, will you let him in? You will know when he has made himself at home, your heart will be the peace and that your tongue will speak in a language you may not understand. Your very heart will make its own praises so that God can dwell within them. Your mind will not know what those praises mean, but your heart will know and your heart will be filled with the presence of Almighty God. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you've enjoyed today. Uh, we went out uh, from doing a sermon down to a, a kind of a teaching sermon. So I hope you've enjoyed. God is ready to fill the temple. So uh, I'm going to sign off here and let Judy take over. And uh, like I said, I hope you've enjoyed today's teaching sermon uh, versus a preaching sermon. So right now, here's Judy Little to give you a, a little message. Well... Praise God. Judy here, board member of Gospel of Faith Church and the Spiritual Awareness Broadcast. I hope you enjoyed today's Bible lesson. God's ready to fill the temple. Pastor Davenport thought he'd change things up a bit. Wouldn't it have been easier to have followed along with a Spiritual Awareness wide mar margin reference book? I know I had no problem at all keeping up with my new reference Bible. They come in both a hardcover or invitation black leather cover. Our web designer just placed a new page on the website at www.spiritualawareness.net slash donate. This will bring up our t-shirts that are offered for a donation, along with a new offering of the special King James large print wide margin Bible with tabs for easy reference, marking each book. It is engraved with spiritual awareness in silver on the front cover. This remarkable Bible is offered for a donation of $100 or more. This will keep us on the air. If you are listening on another venue like Spotify, Apple, you will have to go to the website spiritualawareness.net slash donate. To email us, uh, the email is at www.spiritualawareness.net. 777 at gmail.com Give us your name and address once you've donated by pushing donate now. We will send out your new Bible. Due to coronavirus 19, it will take about two to three weeks to deliver. And remember, Pastor Davenport will be preaching at Gospel of Faith Church every other Sunday. Now, until next week, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you until he brings us all back again. Please stay safe and God bless.